21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Awesome to have you here today and awesome for you guys joining us on our mission, which is building communities of learners. Today, I've got the editorial director from the NMC New Media Consortium, the guys who do the Horizon Report, and her name is Vic Estrada. For the second year in a row, I, along with a bunch of others from schools in Asia, have worked with the New Media Consortium to produce the International Schools in Asia edition of the Horizon Report. Today, I talk with Victoria, a.k.a. Vic Estrada, who managed the process as editor, writer, and cat herder-in-chief. You know how we teachers are. We discuss what the report is about, how it is brought together, and some of the findings that came up this year as we looked at the intersection between technology and education. Enjoy the conversation. Vic Estrada, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today. Well, we've had a chance to get to know each other working on the International Schools in Asia Horizon Report. And not everybody knows about the Horizon Report. Could you give us a little history on what it is, where it started, and what's going on with that? Yeah, no problem. So um, the NMC Horizon Report is based on the work of the Horizon Project. Uh Um, This has been around since 2002. Uh, We're going on our 14th year now. Uh, What the NMC did is is we pioneered a collaborative research effort that brings together a panel of experts. um, And through a qualitative research process, um, it's known as the Delphi Research Methodology, we identify the latest um, tech developments, trends, and challenges that are shaping teaching and learning in schools, um, as well as higher education, not to mention a bunch of other sectors. But our most well-known reports are our flagship reports and probably the ones that our, our listeners will be most familiar with. Um, that's the NMC Horizon Report, Higher Education Edition, and the uh, K-12 Edition. So um, those are actually increasingly popular. I think our K-12 Edition broke <clears throat> 10 million downloads and wow. is more and more every day. And one of the great things is that it's free. So this is probably in large part because of that, because this um, entire research process is, is open and free and is under a protected under a Creative Commons license. So it can be reused, remixed, copied. Um, it's, it's kind of public domain, which is something that, that we're really proud of. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the basis of the NMC Horizon Report. Now, if you're not familiar with Creative Commons, basically it means you can share it. You just need to give credit, right, to, back to the original authors, in this case, you guys. That's exactly right. So why do you think it's so popular? And I know I can turn back when I first got introduced to it. Uh, maybe it was one of my superintendent I had just sent it out to all of us, said, I want to talk to you guys. I was a technology coach uh, in a couple of weeks about everything that's going on in the, this report. And so that's pretty much what drew it to me. Why do you think it is so popular and becoming more popular as it goes forward? That's a really good question. I think that there's definitely a sense that people who care about education, whether they're teachers, administrators, um, researchers, people involved in the field, see that, that there is a definite need for innovation, that we need to change the paradigm. And so When they start doing that in their classes and they start learning that other people are doing it, um, this is like a huge, I I honestly kind of see the NMC 
uh, Horizon Report is like a support system <laughs> for people who are who are kind of going against the odds and saying, you know, I really want to change the way that my students learn. Um, we know that systemic problems are among the hardest to solve, and I think that what the NMC Horizon Report does is is gets the information to people on a very grassroots level, um, and you know, best of all, because of of the credibility of the research, you know, because we do engage experts and we do um, extensive environmental scanning as well as uh-huh. getting project submissions from the experts on our panel who are all qualified educators and, and educational leaders. Um, you know, we have a lot of s- substantiation for what we do for, for the, you know, for what we talk about as far as how in- innovation is implemented in certain education sectors. So I think for people who are really struggling with their current system, um, this is kind of like a beacon of light. Okay. Now, uh, we, we talked a little bit, let's talk maybe, or I want to ask you some questions about the research process itself. You mentioned Delphi as the, the way it's handled. And so how, if, if you become a member, you join, you're one of the research people, what is the process itself? And so when you say Delphi, does that mean like everybody's an oracle of Delphi? And they just are able to <laughs> generate incredible ideas and things like that. Is that how it works? Or maybe you sure, could do sure. Sure, sure. No. Um, <laughs> well, basically, the Delphi research methodology is, is really interesting because what we do is we create a space for people to, to collaborate. Um, uh-huh. We give them some information. Um, basically, it's, it's what's the latest. We share news articles. We share studies. Um, we share a lot of kinds of fodder for them to be thinking about what what is happening um, with technology in classrooms. But then mm-hmm. we, what the experts bring to the table is they um, put in their their expertise and their experience, which is actually I think the the most. I mean, that's the core of of our research is really based sure. on the experience of what you guys see. So we have a, a wiki workspace. Um, it's completely open. I'll just give you the link right now. It's ISA. SIA.wiki.nmc.org. And I'll, put, and, uh, I'll put that in the show notes too for those that are uh, a little challenged with listening. <laughs> what was that? I'll put it in the show notes for those that are challenged with listening ah, and remembering there, right? Thanks, Mike. Sure. Perfect. Um, and we, we propose four different research questions um, for the expert panel to answer. And so this work takes. Mm, about three months or so of uh-huh. um, coordinating, but it's I think you know obviously I think the funnest part is that one month where everybody's just on the wiki and interacting with one another and sharing their ideas and and also their experiences about what they've seen um, on the you know on the ground and I think that that's uh, really one of the most credible parts of of this whole process. So you guys then take that, you know, that authentic process you just described and then create a report from that? Does that that's where you grab your ideas to generate the report? That's right. right. No, I, I completely glossed over the voting system. So. Oh, sorry. And so we get to vote. No, no, that was that was my bad. Um, okay, it's not like the elections are coming so up. <laughs> at a certain point after everybody puts in their their ideas and um Finally, the editor of the project, which was me this time around, gets to go through and kind of interpret these findings, um, which is actually a lot of fun because you get to you get to start seeing the themes of this project in particular. Uh-huh. And um, we take all of this information and we ask people to to vote 
um, they are the ones in the end, the, the panel of experts who make that final forecast and say, okay, I, I really think that blended learning is, is happening this year. Um, you know, we, how we, speaking of technology developments in particular, we have them rank them by adoption time period. So mm -hmm. for instance, is 3d printing hap something that's happening in the near term, which is one to two years, or is it something that's more in the far term, which is four to five years in the middle of that, we have the midterm, which is three to four, but, um, or I'm sorry, two to three, but you know, these are, these are the different categories that help us make this forecast more, more precise. And, and it's also makes for an interesting comparison when we're looking at, you know, the report that was published two years ago about international schools in, in Asia. This is, um, this is, this is the, the awesome sauce, the special sauce, if you will. So, <laughs> So, yeah, it's important to note that So when I first got involved with Horizon Report, I thought there was just one or two main reports, but you can actually generate your own report for your own region, which is what we're talking about now, the International Schools in Asia edition. Uh, so that is almost done. In fact, you're getting into the writing, all the research that you talked about a moment ago is done, the voting's done. And are you starting to see uh, any, like what emerged for you when you, when you read that versus perhaps, because uh, this is your first time doing one overseas, right? Um, you no, know, you know, we actually just... First time for one finished. in Asia? We just finished a, a Chinese K-12 oh. schools report. Okay, I can't go uh, with the original one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've also done a report about Singapore as well. So it's okay. not the first time, but you know, the, the international school Yeah, what, do you, what sector, trends or things do you notice in our group versus some of the others? It's It's really fascinating because the... International schools are way ahead of the game. Um, uh, what's interesting, I've noticed this too in the, um, in the tech development. Um, uh -huh. So we've chosen 12 important developments in educational technology that have been adopted um, or that will be influential. And among those, um, I'm noticing that the bigger theme is that a lot of these are technologies that... Um, play a big part in facilitating deeper learning scenarios. So a lot of these things contribute immensely to project-based activities, project-based learning, inquiry-based stuff. Um, mm -hmm. These technologies are good to work with collaboratively um, to help students, you know, design and engineer something and, and be working toward a concrete goal or a product. So um, that's really the most interesting thing is that a lot of these technologies in comparison to last, uh, the report that was published two years ago about international mm -hmm. schools in Asia, is that these are really hands-on technologies. We're not talking about MOOCs anymore. You know, we're not talking about right. online learning. We're talking about three D printing, makerspaces. So drones were definitely part of the report. I know you have an interest in, in those. What did you notice in the international schools regarding dro regarding drones? I can say that word. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, you know, I didn't originally have any interest in drones, except oh, for what um, privacy violations they might cause us one day. Right. But what was interesting is that um, on the ISA panel, drones were among the most popular topics and generated a lot of conversation, which uh -huh. made me believe that um, the ISA panel might be a little uh, pretty forward-thinking because um, I hadn't really seen or even thought of the implications for education just yet. But, you know, in these conversations, we saw that um, not only did they place that it place them in the midterm horizon, um, which is that these drones will be influential within the next two to three years, 
Um, but that also they have huge possibilities for um, teaching things like digital storytelling or ah. um, experimental film techniques, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. One of the more obvious connections people made was the implications for STEM instruction. So, you know, we're talking specifically about engineering and design projects that right. require students to work in teams and, and make drones for, for practical purposes. Um, I think one of the most interesting ideas I saw, though, was the idea of using drones to uh, conduct campus tours. You know, you have a robotic airplane <laughs> <laughs> showing you around a, a, a huge campus, which is really interesting. Or the idea that you can use drones to, um, to travel to places um, that might be deemed hazardous for, for students to explore on their own. So um, it's, it's a topic that's garnered, garnered a lot of interest in these last two years. And um, despite the lack of concrete applications right now in the K-12 classroom, you know, this is an area rich in development. And I, and I think that we're going to start seeing really interesting things um, in the upcoming years. Now, something we face over here internationally is, and then you mentioned already, is, is less a focus on the tools and more on using the tools to design and build something. So for people like myself, technology coaches, we're wondering if our job is going to disappear or we better morph ourselves into more of a learning coach. Do you see some of those trends when you yourself when you read through the data or, and or do you see that possibly in other parts of the world just besides us international school teachers? I mean, that's a good question. I think that, you know, it's not a question of whether you'll, you'll have to be concerned with technology or not. I think that, if anything, the new styles of learning that are being picked up will dictate, you know, okay. your role in the picture. So, for instance, you know, project-based learning, well, there's all sorts of technologies that are really useful for project-based learning to facilitate project-based learning. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about displays on walls, you know, um, computers that you can move, you know, mobile technology, stuff like that. So I think that as a technology coach, the hard, the hard part will be learning how to um, invest in technology in a way that really serves, serves the pedagogy rather than, you know, just buying technology to, to put into a room. Right. <laughs> but of course, I have no, you know, this is based on my limited understanding of what you do, but <laughs> I, I have, you know, I think that more than ever, anybody who's concerned with technology in an educational environment is, knows that already if, if, if they're not slowly coming to that understanding now. Well, I think we're lucky in the international schools that we tend to have larger budgets so we can often purchase things. And a lot of in the beginning that happened was just purchasing the technology just to own it. And if you build it, it, they will come sort of thing. But I think we just didn't really know what to do with sure. it. We just had to try it out and go through that process. I think we can narrow it down more now today. Now, when, we were, talk, when we were focusing a little bit before the uh, show today, we were talking about things that you, you narrowed in on in the report itself. And a couple things came up, you said. One was challenging perceptions of success and aligning key stakeholders toward innovation. Uh, it'd be fun to talk about both, but the last one, to me, is is important because, for example, we're building a flexible learning space at my school right now for next year, and so I have to constantly think about aligning the key st stakeholders toward innovation. Do you see uh, things moving forward in that area and maybe those key st stakeholders being more interested in innovation than they were in the past? That's a really good question, and I'm... What's interesting is that the ISA panel, um, you know, 
they are the originators of this specific challenge. And mm-hmm. uh, something that unique is unique, I learned, about the international school arena is that the voice of parents is extremely influential. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I read that probably more so than, you know, experienced educators. So, oh, that's interesting. I, <laughs> well, this, is, this was, you know, someone's comment. But um, it did make me think that, wow, okay, that, that is a real challenge there, um, keeping parents in the loop. You know, their, their mm-hmm. kids aren't coming home with the same homework that they had before. You know, what's happening? Um, so parents have a lot of questions, and and I guess the challenge is how do we keep in touch with them? How do we get their support for these for these new things that we're doing that don't look anything like what they did in school? You know, right. don't look at anything like what their kids were doing a few years ago. Um, and one of the ways that we're seeing, you know, uh, certain schools get in touch with with parents is through websites, creating an, an online resource for them to, to stay updated on, on what technologies their, their children are using um, and to, you know, educate themselves on, on how, how their school is changing. Um, and I think that's important. I also, of course, I think there has to be an element of interactivity. And, but, you know, parents can't be at school all the time. And, and there's plenty of busy parents who, who can't, you know, make it to the meetings. So, meeting them in an online space or meeting them where they are and, and keeping them in the loop is, I think, one of the ways to solve this challenge. Now, what about, like, challenging perceptions of success? Like, so defining what success means, that's that's a little different now as well. I mean, like, the ki- kids in our schools tend to do well on tests no matter what. So sure. You can't nec- you're not going to necessarily find them doing better on their SATs or AP scores by changing how we teach. So what do you mean by challenging perceptions of success? Because that is something we definitely need to think about over here. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think everybody has a different definition of success, but I think in, in this, in terms of this particular wicked challenge, which is that it's, mm-hmm. it's by nature of being wicked, it's hard to define <laughs> and <laughs> it's hard to solve. We, it's impossible to define impossible, much less solve. Right. So that's how we, that's how we phrase it. But, um, right. I think we're, what we're trying to do is challenge the perception of set success, um, as being equivalent to getting into the university of your dreams or, um, going to college even, you know, um, I think that there is a huge stigma against um, vocational education that keeps a lot of students and their parents um, really invested in the formal four-year traditional university route. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that somebody point, made an interesting point that these huge um, – Graduate recruiters companies, for instance, I guess some, somebody mentioned Price Waterhouse Coopers, um, Ernst and Young. These are big recruiters for for different employ- employers. Um, they aren't using the college degree anymore as as one of their requirements. So yeah, that's not interesting. Yeah, so you know that's that's a huge paradigm change that I think schools need to start paying attention to. So you know what if if our if our students graduate. Um, high school, and that's all that they do. What should they should you know? What they should be able to do things out in the real world. <laughs> they don't have to go to college to to get a, a, a job and, and to be happy and fulfilled. So I think that's really what the what this challenge is about is is success. Really getting a, a four year degree. Um, I I personally know a lot of people who that was not the best route for them to go. So. <laughs> 
you know, we got it. We have to open open up this conversation a bit more and and really um, remove that stigma. I think from from alternative routes of of education and also of living. Okay. Now, getting towards the end here, so we're t- t- running towards the end of our time. I'm wondering what you think the or what you view the future of NMC and these Horizon reports has uh, coming up. Any anything exciting you can imagine then over the next five or more years? Ooh, that's a that's a big question. That's that's the fun speculative um, question. No, no, it's great. You know, we there's been a lot of of interesting talk, and of course, it's always been talk because um, what we do is is we provide the the foundation of knowledge. You know, this is foundational knowledge for a lot of of educators and administrators who who want to make change in their schools. But how do we actually? continue to support them after the, after they read the report. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are thinking about developing some sort of initiative for the NMC Academy. And we've done that to a certain extent, but we want to keep in touch with those people who are um, actively implementing a lot of these strategies that we talk about in the report and, mm-hmm. and, provide some, some sort of training or, you know, if anything, just a, a, a soundboard, you know, for, for teachers to come together and, and really and, and share with one another and support each other. And that's, that's an interesting space too, though, because there's a lot of, I'm not going to call it competition, but there, there are a lot of resources out there, you know, a lot of um, blogs and a lot of um, social networks that keep educators up to date, keep them right. connected. And podcasts. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think we'll be doing Horizon reports forever, but um, I think what's what's would be the most interesting thing is to see how we can make them more concrete and and helpful. You know, mm-hmm. that'd be nice. But, yeah, that, uh, that would be good. So we can at least say though, there's more Horizon reports on the horizon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All and, right, final uh, question: uh, How can people get a hold of you? If they, uh, do you have a Twitter handle or something you want to give out or whatever? Uh, sure. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, um, my NMC email will be active for the next four days. Um, so I will share <laughs> with you my Gmail. It's a uh, Vic, V I C dot Estrada zero nine at gmail.com. Um, feel free to send me an email if you have any questions about the project or, or what, what my role has been, um, in the NMC with the horizon project, but, um, yeah, that's the best way to reach me. All right. I've been speaking with Vic Estrada. She's the editorial director for the new media consortium, at least for the next few days until she runs off to graduate school. Thanks so much for your time today, Vic. Mike, this was great. Uh, I really appreciate it. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com. <laughs>